If you want to learn how to gain insights you can act on and solve business problems with data, all while building a data-driven culture at your organization, sign up for Pragmatic Institute's new course, Data Science for Business Leaders. Find out more at pragmaticinstitute.com data. Welcome to Data Chats, a podcast by Pragmatic Institute and the Data Incubator, where we tackle data topics and trends with experts, industry leaders, instructors, and alumni. I'm your host, Chris Richardson, and today I'm sitting down with Tash Jocelyn, co-founder of Mojo, a data agency that helps businesses use their data to deliver impact for growth. Tash, thank you so much for joining me today. Let's get started with a little bit more about your background. Maybe you can tell listeners where you're coming from and what you're doing right now. Brilliant. So thanks for having me also. Nice to talk to you. Where I've come from is I've actually been in data for quite a long time. I joined a very well-known data agency in the UK called Dunhumby, who were the founders of all the analysis behind the club card, which is a Tesco club card. So that's a supermarket here over in the UK. Mm-hmm. So they were actually looked at how they could use all the data from the club card to really help interact and communicate with their customers in a more effective way. So it was like really, really heavily data, loyalty data, using direct mail back in the day. I'm talking back in 96. So mm-hmm. we're, you know, t- talking about hard data, large data, big data to the point we could, it was so big that we couldn't even process it. We had to take a 1% sample of the 20 million customers to be able to then process and analyze the data. So that was, as we're saying, gosh, 25 years ago. And you know, life has changed quite a lot from a data perspective now. But we have quite similar kind of challenges of how to use that data to really drive the, the impact that businesses want. Challenges are still there so that people still want to be able to process the data, have people who have got skills to be able to analyze and get insight out of the data. But obviously the data we've got is, is vast. It's quite different. You know, 25 years ago, we didn't have the internet as much as we have now. You know, there wasn't social media. There wasn't all the lovely data that we get around that. And obviously we have moved on quite a lot from the technology, which enables us to, to utilize that data as well. Yeah, and I, th- I would imagine some of the questions that are asked of data experts even then and now is, you know, always about growing business, improving customer experience, understanding customers better. What are some of those things that you've, you know, if you were thinking about what you started out doing and now what you continue to do or what you advise people to do, what are some of those things that are always there, always have been? And then maybe how have things changed specifically? Yeah, I mean, often one of the biggest use cases we have is about who are my customers? Who are the most my most valuable customers? What are they buying? What can we get them to buy more of? What can we get them to buy again? How do we get more of them? So often that comes, most people, most businesses will have a customer. And actually that becomes one of the sort of like almost the foundations of actually how do we grow a business? Let's grow the business from understanding our customers more, sell to them more, and give them, you know, more relevant communications when we want to talk to them to be able to then develop that relationship to be able to become first choice for for the business. It tends to be, though, that where the transition comes for a lot of businesses is when they've moved from almost being that product centric. So actually they're trying to sell, they're trying to just think about growing the business through innovation of the product 
to then mm. really become much more customer centric to be then thinking, well, actually, let's really understand the customer to be able to then start differentiating our product to really support the customer as well. So it's all the NPD gets really grounded in what the, who their customers are. Then they can really start playing with their in the competitive set to be able to say, right, how can we be over and above our, our customers, our competitors to be able to deliver that insightful information, which is going to, which is going to sell this product more. So I think it's the customer tends to be one of the biggest use cases, but obviously there's, there's lots of other uses of data nowadays. Yeah. And I'm curious about some of the challenges that you found maybe early on or, or more recently that prompted you to start Mojo and to does, what are the things that you thought you could solve and what were the problems that you were seeing? Yeah, I mean, where, so where we where we came from after I worked at Dunhamby, I then went to work in marketing and advertising agencies. And so I worked with in large London advertising agencies with large organizations who have a lot of customers. And there was they very much had a great use of data in different areas and different pockets. But it was becoming more and more evident that actually there was still this massive gap between the data teams and the technical teams and the business teams. So actually the data and the technical teams were busily doing their analysis. You know, they were creating amazing platforms from technology and all of that was getting smarter and smarter. But what was happening is it wasn't actually translating into the business. So the reason, one of the reasons we created Mojo was we had to almost bridge that gap between the data teams and the tech teams and the business so they can start really, really utilizing that data to help them solve business problems, you know, and actually that goes both ways because once mm -hmm. where we've seen sort of the data teams and the technology significantly increase, you know, we are now in the best place that we've ever been from technology. You can buy a platform to do practically everything. And skills are, even though there is a skill shortage, they are, there are more skills and people are more people in data than there's ever been. We still need the businesses to create the need for it. And they, they also need to really start understanding how to get the most out of the data as well. It needs to go both ways. And a lot of people are big advocates of like data people need to be stepping up and becoming understand the business, which there is that to a certain degree. But mm -hmm. actually on the flip side of that, businesses really need to improve, general business people need to improve their data literacy just to make data become the, the everyday currency that it should be to be able to support the business you know, function and making better decisions and, you know, having the evidence to, to, you know, have the evidence in every meeting, in every conversation to know what the opportunities are. And actually even more than the opportunities where they're actually not working as well as that they could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we've heard a lot, right? That, that, that there's business concerns and data concerns, and obviously there's overlap, but oftentimes the professional disciplines are different enough that if not uh, misunderstanding, then at least maybe tension and priorities or how people are viewing the business and, and the problems that are there. How do you start to bridge that gap? What are some of the ways that you've been able to put, I guess, a different lens so that people can see the other side better? Yeah, I mean, we will always start with what the business problem is. So we will always help businesses of all different sizes to really understand what they want to use the data for. We've worked with a lot of businesses, which basically they want to have data. They want to have a data strategy. They want AI. They want analysts. And then mm -hmm. you actually challenge them on what they actually are want that for or what impact or benefit is going to be to the business. And they haven't really thought it through. And I think the challenge, the problem with that, if it's not owned by the business, it almost becomes something which is 
given to somebody else rather than it being sort of like owned and seeing something which is going to be really valuable to really revolutionize a, a business and as soon as you get that relationship between it being almost like your the responsibility to go somewhere else to solve the data problem it's harder to make it really really ingrained into the business every day in the business dna so by starting with the business and actually understanding the benefit of that and start talking about it in a business language it enables people to really start to see the benefit that that's going to be rather than an add-on project or the data guys or the tech guys are brought into the room at the last minute or, you know, it's, it needs to be really embraced at the beginning to be able to bring the right people into the room to have that right discussion. I mean, it's interesting because a lot of businesses and a lot of data projects have started the other way around they've basically gone in and they've built the infrastructure, they've built the teams, they've got a data scientist and they failed because those teams and those, they might have a fantastic infrastructure, but at some point someone's going to go, well, what value is this delivered to the business? And actually if, if people start saying that when the project's been running for three years, it's a bit late. <laughs> And you probably and you'll find that it hasn't been scoped in the way that's actually going to solve the business as well. Because mm -hmm. again, it's interesting because a lot of people are scared of data, and a lot of people think it's somebody else's job. It's a technical job, or you need to be very statistician or skills and orientated. Yeah. But actually, business people know often know how the business works and the dynamics of the business and the almost I know some, some of the technical terms within the business and it's like they're the best to know of how to use the data how to measure things how to understand what are the the triggers for something which is going to be whether it's a something's working in an opportunity way or it's not doing too well and they need to give that information to the technical leads because otherwise they won't know technical leads will know how to put data into a structure to be able to make it available but they won't know how important a certain piece of data is to, to the business. And it's trying to unlock that conversation without the fear of, oh, it's all about data. It's all about technology. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something I think I hear a lot is that, you know, data can provide some great insights. And so everyone kind of falls into this idea that as soon as we have data, we will have insights. And I'm sure you've seen that, that it doesn't work as a one-to-one, -one, like just add data for insights. So how do you start to maybe when you come in or when you're working with groups, how do you start to move from, okay, you want data, you have a business structure, you have ideas about how the business is currently working. How do you move on to deliver what people often want, which are sort of magical insights from the data? Yeah. Yeah. We often say data isn't magic. Yeah. It's, it's definitely that that is the case. And I think a lot of it comes down to having a bit of a common language and taking mm -hmm. the word data out of it and actually by creating common language, even just getting consistent terms agreed, you know, so you're actually talking about everybody in the business is talking about the customer in the same way, and that you know that that is defined in a same way. It enables you to start talking about those things versus always about the underlying data. You've got basically everybody on the same page. Everybody knows what the key metrics are that they are using it doesn't get questioned every time it's basically the definitions and the common language throughout the business will translate through sales marketing customer service product development 
to be able to then start feeling more comfortable with the inside. Because then it's easier to ask questions, isn't it? So it's almost like thinking about your customers, how many customers have shopped between this particular window. It becomes a more insightful business-related question. So you actually you're asking about generally what are the customers buying? How do they, you know, what time of year are they buying? And everybody's comfortable with a definition of customer enables to have everybody have a top level conversation so then you're talking about the insight you're not necessarily just talking about the underlying data all the time we often find clients they will then as a business person will go oh i need that data i want a spreadsheet of the number of customers over the last six months and they haven't got the definition of customer they haven't got necessarily exactly what they're buying so they're sending a very very woolly brief to the analyst the analyst will then interpret it how they all interpret it especially if there isn't a common language around the definition of a customer mm-hmm. and the definition of a product even you know it's like these things sound really simple when you're having a conversation but with data unfortunately it is it's rules and you have to sort of like tell it what it was you want to hear but yeah. if you've got all of that sort of like agreed up front and that the business are interested then to say, do you know what, actually, if we all agreed on this, then the insight will start flowing much, much easier and it become more obvious and you can have the conversation. You don't have to worry about, is that number right? Is that number wrong? You know, and because nobody wants that. Everybody just can focus on, well, that has changed because we, we know that number is different to what we saw last week and we're confident, we trust that information is right because we've all agreed up front what the definition and the consistency of that information is. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, as somebody who's taught communication, just the fact that people could have differences of opinions or or just a complete misalignment with like what is a customer or what yeah. is the data that we're talking about is just fascinating. I wonder if you have any examples of ways that people have maybe defined customer in two different ways or are talking about data in very different ways. What are some of the the sort of miscommunications and ways of bringing people together on something so simple as maybe like, you know, sales or customers, how, how could people mess that up uh, yeah, in terms I mean, of the just, conversation? Yeah. I mean, just from, just from a customer, sometimes it depends on what products you're selling, but a lot of people like to understand what an active customer is. So if some people will say, right, an active customer is someone who has shopped within three months, somebody else in the business could say, well, actually, no, it's someone shopped within 12 months. And then if you ran those two different scenarios through the mm-hmm. through the numbers you start to get very different numbers so if one area of the business is tracking against a different definition of active you know they they might be looking great whereas actually the three months which is where and then it's just like you, you could end up missing well actually it looks like our number our customers are dropping off after three months and that was actually quite insightful so as a business we're better off saying we're better off looking to see when is that drop-off time of our customers and then agree that actually an inactive customer is someone after four months. And then you can say, well, we need to do something about that. We need to improve that inactivity or we want to reduce the number of people after four months. So you can start having, it enables you to have a consistent conversation. Yeah. Are there any other definitions or, or words that you have found people might misconstrue? That's interesting to think about just starting the conversation with what is an active customer? What are some other terms that might get miscommunicated? I mean, um, yeah, the, how to calculate profit, how to calculate, you know, is it with including with, uh, with VAT, not VAT, what the rules are around that, looking at whether you include things people have 
sent back, deliveries which are been returned, whether it's breakages, how do you allow for all of that within your finances, you know, taking sort of like understanding the currency of the data. So often, and it, this can comes back to making sure that you have your data accessible in the right way and it's governed in the right way. But if you if you don't, you can have people who have different hierarchies of data, which is more important. So if someone's got two different telephone numbers or different email addresses, you know, if you some people, if they do the hierarchy one way, they could get one different address. If they do it the other way, mm. they could get an email, you know, the, the other way, the other way around. And then that can ha- that again can end up you can have all different kinds of numbers which are going around the houses and on mailable addresses or non-mailable addresses and and those kind of things. Then actually you've got everybody, every business has its own own language around, you know, what they call things. <laughs> And whether you're, you know, a marketing qualified lead, a sales qualified lead, a sales qualified lead is SQL to to a data scientist, and SQL means something very different. So you actually, it's a it's a programming language. So it's just like mm-hmm. you can then start getting the business and the data people talking, using acronyms in a completely different way to be able to <laughs> to, to communicate. Yeah. I would say that just back to what you're saying about communication generally is it is probably one of the biggest barriers to getting the technical teams and the business teams working and collaborating in because they are coming from it a completely different way. Often the businesses will think, say things, I just need this number. And the amount of technical teams that would hear that and the complexity of getting just that number can be incredibly difficult and it can really undermine and it can really put the technical teams backs up because it's so difficult to be able to get that number versus actually ask. So there's a couple of different things which we found work really well to be able to bring that collaboration and improve that communication better. And some of it is actually education to the business people to really understand what data is and isn't available so that they can actually refrain from using that kind of just kind of question. Like really start thinking about rather than the data points that they're looking for, widening it up and asking what it is that they really want to achieve by just having that number, because that enables then the technical teams to really think about it a bit more laterally. So if they don't, because they could spend hours trying to get to this number and it might not actually be what the business really needs anyway. They can do it slightly in a different way. But also the level of accuracy that the technical people will naturally go to will be really, really high. So there needs to be like, like how how accurate does this piece of information need to be? Are we just looking for trends or indication, a direction of travel, or are we looking for financial sort of 0.0 to 0.0 indication? And to what level is it? And that can actually save a lot of time to say we will need it to be correct and we want to be able to understand the trends but we're we're just looking for direction of travel so if it don't waste huge amounts of time trying to get it to the precision of that level we just want to look at the direction so it's like understanding what the different motivations of the two different groups are is actually really quite important when you start to bring the collaboration it's not just about the technical skills it's about how each team would start to approach that question and they'll see it in, in their own in their own way yeah, I mean that's fascinating. Even just the idea of how specific do you need to be, or how accurate does the number need to be, can change things in huge ways. I would imagine. I wonder, and I promise not to dwell on on the communication language bit, but one more question about that. 
so many businesses talk about leveraging data, but I'm sure that means very different things to different groups. I wonder how you would imagine leveraging data or what that might mean in certain contexts. Like what, does, what are we actually talking about when we say leveraging data? Uh, it gen, genuinely does mean different things to different businesses. And it's actually because there's so much and there's so much different types of data that leveraging mm-hmm. data in a marketing team could be very different to leveraging data in a product team. It, it, for a start, leveraging data in a product team could be all about customer research. And so you're looking for, you know, going out to different groups of customers to be able to find out more emotional information to be able to support that product development. Whereas in the marketing team, you could be using very metric-based data, uh, using Google Analytics to look at your web tracking capability. You could be building a segmentation using your transactional data to understand how you most more valuable data it is. So data for me is like, it's a catch-all term for a lot of different tracked data points within the business or asked data points within the business. But it really does come down to what your business wants to achieve. And then once you understand that, you can then start to build your data strategy. So your data strategy would be able to look at all the different parts in the business to determine what the opportunities are and what tools, capabilities, skills you need to be able to support that business benefit. So if it's all about marketing and you want to improve your marketing capability using proving your marketing capability, making better decisions about where to invest, you know, that could all be your whole data strategy could be surrounded about, right, we need to get more insight about the customer. We need to build segmentations. We need to track all the transactions or interactions with the customer. So we need to build that database to be able to then harness that data and leverage that to be able to then ask the right questions of that customer. You know, ensure that we've got all tracking across all our different campaigns, our different touch points to be really able to then create that insight loop back to say how am I testing and learning all my different campaigns to be able to then improve on ensuring that you're going to the right customers and you're you know you're using the right channel mix you're using the right messaging mix and I think you know they're all very very and then in product it is a different scenario so the actual the it's data is an enabler it's like the mm. business will always be the business and then you'll use different data enablers to support the business. That's why we always start with the business because it's it has to start there. You can't push up the insight. The data isn't magic. The data won't change your business. The business has to know what to use the data for to be able to help it and enable it to, to move forward. I think that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And sparked more. So I want to ask yeah, about I mean, strategy then. It's uh, always so. It's this data. You need to have the data strategy because, it, and, yeah. and it, that does depend on what it, the business is, and also the level of maturity of the business. So, if you've got a business which has always, you know, has has always had some form of data and has got had some form of insight and analytical capability, whether that's in the marketing department or within sales team or the customer insight teams, you might go in and just understand how to make that data more accessible to everybody and create the consistency, put governance in place so everybody's using that in the same way as well because it's incredibly important. But if you're starting off from a really very base level and you've never really even thought about what data is within your business, then you need to, it needs to be starting to understand what data have you got, what your data landscape is and what the opportunities could your business do if they knew more information about something more insight or more evidence. If they knew that evidence, how would that impact their business? Yeah, yeah. So if you were consulting, let's say just you know a mid-sized organization, 
and they they had let's say you know a starter strategy but clearly we're looking for insights or help before they they roll out anything major what are some of the flaws that you might see or what are some of the corrections you might suggest when you're looking at business strategies so in other words when they're starting out to just draft strategies what are some of the points that are often you know needing improvement i think what what ha- has happened for a lot of businesses is they'll go straight to the tech They'll look for the platform of what they they need to. They they'll just look for the tech to give them the the answer, and the tech won't give them the answer. It's spend time almost doing an MVP kind of understanding what data is available within your business. Look at doing some form of very top level analysis. So it's like a lot of if they have already got some data in the business. Don't worry about thinking about how to host it and how to put it into a platform to make it accessible straight away. Take it off platform wherever you are to be able to then do some analysis to start to understand the data a bit better, to understand sort of like what to create the common language, to start understanding how good quality it is. Because it could be for the first project you need to do is that the data is just quite bad quality. So actually... Mm-hmm your first job might be how do we improve the quality of this data? You know, how do, it could be that the call center have never ever asked for the email address or have never asked for permissions or, you know, they've they've always gone to the top drop down box of the list when they're filling in a form. And, you know, if you haven't got the data or you, you're not tracking things within your digital environment, you know, if you, you need to be fixing all of that to be able to make sure that the flow of data coming in is actually useful and good quality for sort of like investing in the technology. One question or one conversation I've had recently that I'd love to for you to weigh in on is how much data to track. And I know it obviously depends on the context, but there's kind of two approaches that to me both have some merit, right? There's one that is track absolutely everything that you can and, you know, collect as much data as you can, which I think a lot of businesses are going towards. But also what I've heard is that that can just be mostly noise or what is it called? Black data or dark data, where it just is never touched afterwards. And so what you really ought to do is focus in on very specific data points. That's not to say don't necessarily collect them, but don't even bother looking at them. What you want to do is focus on a few data points to answer very specific questions. And I wonder if you have advice for people who are kind of weighing those things? Should we collect everything and look at everything? Or should we only look at like a few things to really figure this one thing out? Yeah, I am definitely in the school of fewer. I think by collecting everything just in case, I think demonstrates a lack of planning of the business. And it goes back probably, which I said about 50 times now, they don't know what they're going to do with it. And Mm. until they actually, and, and what will happen is it will become the currency of the data will get old and you know, before you know it, it's useless anyway. And you might have actually been prohibitive to people providing that data or the data being tracked. So the quality of the data is probably lower as well. So I would definitely go for having a plan for what and why you want that data. You often will find that once you start asking certain bits and you start using it, you realize actually it's slightly wrong and you need to be either asking for slightly different data or something else would be more beneficial. So that gives you the agility to then switch to sort of like rather than having all this legacy data, then you've got no, you've got nothing to do. It becomes too complicated. And you're right. It's just like people then feel that they need to do something with it and it's mm. not 
useful. So I would spend more time planning what you want to use the data for and working that out. That would definitely be my advice and then work out what data you want to have. And you can always build on that data once you when you need more. Uh, it is chicken and egg. And I can understand why people fall into the trap of just like, right, we need everything. We need everything now. But in reality, it will never get analysed or used because it, it takes time and a lot of people aren't even using the basic stuff. So get used to using the basic stuff. Get consistent with using the basic stuff. You know, don't try to reinvent it every five minutes. Everybody, you know, it's not boring to just do the same thing over and over again. But you're, once you've got that, you can then improve on it and build on it and get better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious about once you start collecting that data uh, in whatever way, like once you start executing on the strategy, let's say it's well-planned, you have a good strategy, you're collecting the data, how have you seen it best work when you transform that data into meaningful insights, maybe stories or narratives that can be shared within the business? What does that look like or what are some good examples of that? Once, you, once you've started to collect data, how should that be circulated or how have you seen it circulated well for you know, making actual improvements and, and sharing insights. Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, what I'd love all businesses and to be is that you, in every conversation and every project will always start with the evidence and the data. So therefore you're just living and breathing it all the time. But I recognize that obviously not a lot, not every business is there yet. And that's a little bit of an aspiration. So it still feels like data gets presented as this, oh, big show kind of, you know, big reveal. And I think this is where you need to make sure that whoever's doing the the big reveal knows the context of what they're doing. So it's it, in the sense of it's not just the analyst's job to just do the numbers. They need to know why they're doing the numbers. It needs to be mm -hmm. brought into the context of the business plan or the business strategist to be able to then really help those numbers deliver what they're trying to say. And a lot of people will fall into the trap of, just showing shed loads of charts and because it's taken the analysts months to produce yeah, this yeah. amazing model. And most people aren't interested in that. Most people are interested in the impact it's going to make and the, the story it's telling. So even if you can tell a story about the insight without even mentioning data, you're probably onto a good thing because it's eventually then it's grounded within the business and then the data is just the evidence to show why that is the direction of travel of the business to be able to move it forward it goes back to communication again you know it's like i think data people want to be showing the work you know that tend to be in very highly intelligent people who have you know solved uh, lots of very complex things and they want to show they want to show that detail because they went through the journey of understanding how it all worked but most people just want the answer and that that's probably the the transition I suppose on the other level is getting people then more used to the different metrics in the business I mean dashboarding dashboarding is great it's a great way to get people more aware of how the business is being measured and how you can start understanding trends and you can improve people's literacy quite quickly, be able to understand the impact of, of the measure. It's just that they do end up, can they can end up just reams and reams of different dashboards, never used. And you've got to be careful of that, that they just fall into a bit of a black hole. You just have to have a bit of a strategy really about what it is that you want to demonstrate and get people to use. 
Yeah, have you seen changes more recently or or maybe things that are just starting to appear in terms of how data is being organized? Like I'm just imagining that warehouse of of paper in the 90s that was, you know, you could only do a 1% sample of it because, you know, you just have so much data and it's physically stored probably like printed out or something in some cases. Now there's obviously all of these options, like you said, and a lot of people will start with the technological solution or the platform instead of the question. But once they do start thinking about organizing that data, are there newer ways to do it? Or is it still the same basic principles, you know, just maybe faster computing? I think this is where data governance really comes into its own, Mm. which I think data is given a bit of a bad name because it sounds so boring. Mm. You know, it's just like, that it's like anything with governance in it is going to like rules based and you know literally people are going to be switching off most people can switch off when you start talking about data let alone if you're putting rules on top of that data you know good luck (laughs) but it's really really it's really essential and it's like how do you make sure that everybody is using the data in the same way how do you organize that data how do you make that data available to different people how are you storing that data the lineage of that data so like I was talking about the hierarchies earlier it's just like how are those rules set to look at the different hierarchies of data all those things really do need to be governed and understanding then the ownership of the data at different levels as well so it's again we've talked about data capture the data owner of a lot of data capture will never be a technical person. It would be the person who is running the call center because they need to be responsible for the data coming into the organization and the quality Mm. of that data. So it's understanding how it's managed, how it's governed, how it's used. And it's something which a lot of organizations aren't enabling or aren't bringing into the fold because it's like just feels like it's another layer of bureaucracy but I think it's something which is really essential to really get the most out of your data and yeah Yeah, and again it's doing it in that in that kind of communication way that the shows the benefit of it you know if by putting in a a governance program you can improve the trust within the data Mm -hmm. by you know that everybody will trust the data and then you've got data which people are making firm decisions on to be able to spot opportunities which is going to grow the business by 10 percent starts to create a narrative that sounds more appealing than we're going to have a data quality meeting every month about talking about the volume of email addresses you know which most people would want wouldn't want to attend yeah well and i also wonder how you might phrase or how you might get people together because if i'm part of an organization i hear you know, we're going to have a meeting so that we can get the absolute best quality of data and know that, you know, with confidence that this is accurate and things like that, so that we can make more money or we can, you know, deliver on this promise. That's more appealing than we have to follow this rule of GDPR, which is definitely how I've been introduced to some things, right? Like there's a rule, we don't know who made it, you know, it's just related to the GDPR and therefore you have to do this. So I wonder if you've seen ways of, as you started to say, like communicating these things in the most effective way, how would you suggest if you are tasked with making a data governance meeting, what might you want to call it and how might you want to introduce ideas? It's really difficult because it's just like, you know, it's sometimes it is, you have to actually face up that it is data governance and it is about the rules, but it's, there's a couple of like analogies that we've used one is just about the rules of the game you know so you wouldn't you wouldn't throw everybody onto i love football soccer you wouldn't just throw 11 
team members onto a football pitch without telling them the rules of how to play the game. You know, they'd pick the football up and run with it or, you know, they'd do it all differently. Everybody would do everything differently. So it's actually what you're trying to do is you're just trying to give everybody the rules of the game so that people can, we can actually save time because you're, people aren't making it up every time. You think about how inefficient a football match would be if everybody decided to play it in a different way. So it's like, how do we just incorporate that kind of thinking to make it just to get everybody on board and to be able to go, you know, we're taking the pain off you. We're telling you how to do this. You just have to adhere to it. The other way which we find has quite good synergy is like brand guidelines. You know, brands are incredibly important to a business. They've got huge amounts of intangible value and you need to protect your brand. So you would never just allow anybody to change the color, change the font, change the position, change the size, you know, that you've got to go through quite strict governance, but you wouldn't call that brand governance. You call that brand guidelines or, you know, mm. your, I can't even think of the word now of the organizer. The, you often have in big organizations, you have a team, which are the ones who would look after the brand. And often you have yeah, to yeah. go through the brand, that team to be able to get it signed off. And, you know, people don't seem to have a problem with that. It's just, it's because they really value the brand and how important the brand is to the business. So that's another way of really starting to position the value of data and within that kind of governance rules-based approach. Yeah, I like that. That actually makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking like, you know, mid 20th century, that was a new idea to say, mm. here's the brand. This is how we have to organize it. Don't keep, you know, just, you know, randomly choosing how you're going to present the brand. Now that's totally acceptable. I don't think anyone Absolutely. would question that. And it's, yeah. yeah. But data governance is definitely earlier in its stage, right? And yeah. we're definitely seeing changes, you know, as people like you talk about this, but it's not the same as brand recognition at this point, which no. will be interesting. And it, one of the last questions I want to ask you about is, is looking towards the future of, you know, thinking about problems that you're trying to solve with data, thinking about organizing data. Are there any trends that you see us going towards that may become more normalized or more common, but are really just starting out right now? Anything Anything new in terms of thinking about or organizing data that we should look out for in the future, maybe? I think from a technical point of view, yeah. I mean, a, a technical point of view, there's so many different thoughts on how to structure data to make it more accessible to, and, and it's changing all the time. And there's fours and against for doing all the different structure of the data and platforms and everything like that. I think, which I wouldn't really like to say what the trends were on that, if I'm honest. I think- yeah. I, I think you don't it's more. No, no, no. It's more. Twenty years later, find something else. Yeah, it's it's more actually. From, I suppose from a. I think it will sort itself out, and I think it's almost like the bit. It, there's a there's a danger of all of the new organizational data and health hosting of data and making the data accessible. It all becomes an excuse for not just getting on and using the data in some ways because it's never mm. in the right format it's never in the right structure it's never accessible it's never you know it's it, it's an ex and it's an excuse a little bit for the business to go well we can't get the data the data's not right there's this like, so we're not going to use it we're just going to make it up which is often which happens with a lot of organizations which are going through transformation data transformation spent huge amounts of money and individuals within teams are still just making up the insight or the strategy based on experience gut feel which goes a long way as well. So I think personally, I would like to see trends happening about democratization of data so that actually it's not just seen as data. It's just seen, 
you know, how we use, utilize computers nowadays. You wouldn't think I need to be a computer science, I don't need a computer science degree to use a computer. I'm a business person who is, uh, the technology is enabling me to write an email to somebody and they're going to understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying. And I think data needs to become embedded in an everyday, it's, just, it's a business tool. And there's a lot of reasons why it is different to that because it's you need the skills. We've got low-level skills and there's a lot of technical capabilities to make the data more accessible. But I think, yeah, the, the business needs to up their game, I think. Mm. Yeah, well, perfect segue to my, my last question I wanted to ask you is for people listening, whether they are on the data side and, you know, in the weeds of dealing with data or whether they're maybe thinking more strategically from a management perspective, what are things, what are two things that they could do today that might have an impact, uh, a significant impact in how they're either thinking about data strategies or thinking about data as a tool? I like that idea. You know, if, if data is a tool that everyone can use, you know, obviously with different levels, what are two ways that they might want to use that tool or maybe reconsider how they're using that tool like right now to start having a change on their organization or to start seeing a difference in how data is being used in their organization? I think it's about thinking about data as solving a problem versus solving the problem of data. So Mm. maybe it's flipping it on its head and just think again, thinking about that. If I knew this piece of information, insight, evidence, what could I do differently? within my business and then work out how I could get that. So if that was, there was what, you know, there was one piece of information that I'd really want to want, which is going to, which could fundamentally change my business. What would it be and how do I get it? And then I think on the other side, probably if you are in the weeds of actually always doing lots of analysis, you never see the, the impact of that analysis. You don't know what's happening to it because that often happens with people. Mm. is really ask questions you know never take a brief when someone's asking you can i just have can i just have this piece of data understand why because you can never you'll never be able to create that data you'll never be able to give that analysis into that person's brain if you don't ask actually what do they want to do with it because they haven't worked it out so you're going it's not going to be right you have to almost get them to work out what they want to use the data for yeah i like that i think even just those questions of what might not what data, but what might I want to know can be very yeah. helpful. And then on the other side, as you said, why might you want to know this? Those are questions that seem obvious, like what yeah. is a customer, but can get misconstrued in so many different ways. And I'm sure we've all seen that. So yeah, I think that can be really valuable. Tesh, what should people follow or where should people look for your work if they want to see more about what you're doing? Yeah, so we're on LinkedIn. Just I'm Natasha Jocelyn on LinkedIn, actually. And we are Mojo Data Use Impact on LinkedIn also. And our website, which is www.wearemojo.co.uk. Excellent. Well, we'll definitely have that in the show notes as well. And it's been great getting to think with you about data and how to how to sort of organize it in a more effective way, whether that's an early organization trying to make a, a change or somebody looking at their legacy of data. And I think, it, you know, This has been very insightful for for me and I'm sure for a lot of listeners. So I really appreciate your time today. You're welcome. I've enjoyed our chat. 